Hey everybody, welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. We are a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Trevor, a.k.a. <laughs> How do you use Anel Olsen, <laughs> a.k.a. There Existed an Addiction to Butt. And I'm joined by my ever-attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my Droog Vincent. A.k.a. Homer Simpson is my favorite country artist. A.k.a. Complicate Your Life with Blood. It's <laughs> <laughs> Blood. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 111 of the Anthony and Top Show, an episode we would like to call L'Orange is just a LaCroix flavor, but I know that Vincent wrote this as L'Orange. <laughs> it's just a LaCroix flavor, and it makes more sense that way. Uh, we got five records to be talking to you about this week. First, we're going to go over the latest clipping album, There Existed an Addiction to Blood, uh, the latest Angel Olsen Project, All Mirrors, latest, latest Sturgill Simpson Project, Sound and Fury, uh, just the album, not the anime. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the latest Wilco Project, Ode to Joy, I think that one's been done before, and the latest LaRange collaboration with Jeremiah J, Complicate Your Life with Violence. Yeah, just, again, just the album, not the anime. <laughs> Okay, before we start, if you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show on social media, you can find us at Anthony and Todd on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Find us at YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. And if you want to support us monetarily, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. So I can save enough money to buy a, a, a huge jet, jet ski. ski, just like one giant one. So I can put it like a, it's like a banana boat is like super long that <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets on it. Yeah. It's a community. Only one person can steer, but everybody else has uh, steering bars so they can act like they're helping. <laughs> uh, did you know there was an addiction to blood? I did. Just like just drinking blood. Wow, that's it. <laughs> I can't my old vampire class. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that that will help in this. Yeah, I you, think you can bring in some nuance. I think so. Let's <laughs> talk about uh, the relationship between blood sucking and rape <laughs> that was an actual huge theme in the class we're gonna be going over the latest clipping record there existed an addiction to blood uh, clipping is an la experimental hip-hop and industrial hip-hop trio uh consisting of the mc david diggs most well known of the trio as well as uh, some producers william hudson and jonathan snipes wesley snipes <laughs> uh david diggs is also known for acting he was obviously in hamilton and played a huge role in that i think he played George Washington? No. Jamis Jefferson. Yes. That was it. <laughs> he, he played two characters. I forget what the other one was. I know Thomas Jefferson for sure. He, yeah, that's yeah. the one. I wonder who played George Washington then. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, he obviously won a, a Tony and a Grammy for Hamilton was huge, and his work in that was uh, outstanding. He also was in Blackish. He has a minor yeah. role in that. Yeah. And on, then on he, also, <laughs> he also executive produced The Mayor. I vaguely remember that, but not to a huge degree. It's I, I think it was like a young SoundCloud rapper becomes the mayor as like a meme. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like I it started that. as a meme, yeah. like air, raid Area Fifty One, and then became real. I thought that was I thought it was a funny concept, but yeah. I, I'm not sure if it ever went anywhere. Uh, anyway, this this trio that he has with these uh, producers. Released Clipping, their first album back in 2014. Singles like Work Work and Summertime and Story 2. Uh, as well as their last record, Splendor and Misery, came out in 2016, which we reviewed early on in the show uh, with singles like... I'm not even singles, I don't think. They were just 
notable songs. Uh, Baby Don't Sleep, Air Em Out, All Black, A Better Place. Very theatrical mix telling a story of a slave mm-hmm. isolated in space and just this dystopian it's, Yeah, it's a really world. like weird concept, but it also uh, it worked really well. Yeah. I really like this I record. think the biggest problem that the album had is it, it didn't... It, it felt like there's too short of tracks, which I think is... It could be looked at as a good thing because it's you leaving them wanting more. But I felt like there's just too many moments that could be classified as like interludes, and like yeah, I think we'll I think we'll come back to that in yeah. this this uh, review. And this this new album, uh, their existing addiction to blood is uh, essentially twisting horrorcore in a new direction. Uh, this is not your this is not your grandfather's ICP. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the new kids. Um, essentially horrorcore has always been a genre about like teaching morals by examining, uh, like showcasing the worst of humanity. It's almost like an Aesop's fables kind of thing. Yeah. Except for like more gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> so like notable horrorcore acts, ICP, Eminem, Tyler Creator, recently Luke Human. Um, I, I think you can make a defense of how much of what they're actually saying is just bravado and how much is actually critique of society where I think one thing that this comes through isn't actually is critique. It actually has something like themes to back up the violence, which is interesting. It really depends. Uh, it's, I also found it interesting that all the horrorcore um, artists that you named with the, I think exception of ICP, uh, none of them are really horrorcore anymore. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at the music that Tyler and, and Lou and, um, Eminem are now making, and it definitely like fell away from that genre. Maybe it's just something you grow out of. I'm not sure, but ICP is obviously still making music, and I don't think I've ever learned any morals from that. Well, it's just like it's preemptive. It's like it's not the best example of like morals, but like that's the point. Of I it. definitely I think ICP is probably the best example of horror. Yeah, though. but this because uh, this is are this is definitely a new direction that we're gonna go in. <laughs> Um, let's so just hop into Starting it, this off, uh, we get a traditional clipping intro, just static, and Doogie Diggs just rambling on just it. Just like Mox every other His technical one. ability on this is, like, the best it's ever been, I would say. Like, when he gets mm-hmm. going, like, he just doesn't stop. Like, I don't think there's, a like, a, a verse that isn't, it feels no, he's like, eight minutes on this. I will give him that. He's extremely talented in every, in every bar that he delivers on here, uh, but... As as we talked about with Splinter and Misery, uh, sometimes these tracks go on for for a really long time and just feel um, feel way too bloated. No, the thing with Splinter and Misery is that there was just like there wasn't enough moments that felt like encapsulated the full scope of things. Right, Whereas they were they were like very the, short, and they were like this is the complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum where they thought. Splinter Misery, uh, I think, barely grazed above like a half an hour. Yeah. It it really wasn't a long project, but this one clocks in at about an hour and eight minutes. Uh, and over at least 15 tracks. At least 20 minutes of that is the end, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. But going over this whole entire thing, I think, I think the biggest problem this thing has is just like its interludes and its like end trail segments. And this is an experimental hip hop album through and through. So, I guess, in theory, these ideas are experimental. <laughs> so, having just a minute of, like, television static at the end of La Mara or Nera or, or Diana? Or, or uh, La Mala or Dina, and it's not even a minute, it's probably three minutes. <laughs> we finished all of the verses. Every guest on here finishes 
at like the three minute mark. Yeah. And then we have static for the rest of the time. It just, it isn't interesting. It doesn't, it isn't like there's an effects, any, any effects put on it. It isn't like moving. There's no, what is it? It doesn't flow. It doesn't. It doesn't have any momentum. It doesn't do anything. It just stays the same for a long period of time. Static. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It's not creepy either. Cause like some of these things are supposed to be like eerie and like, they're supposed to like set up an atmosphere. That's just television static. Yeah. That's about, that's about it. And it doesn't really the do The scariest anything. television I ever saw was in Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably the most notable thing we need to mention to just showcase how like the piano burning segment at the end, the last the track. elephant in the room, essentially. It's a piece by Adina Ania. Yeah. Lockwood. And it's a experimental piece I've heard of before. I, I've never heard it. Like, I knew of it. I just didn't know the name attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's essentially just a piano sound on fire. And it doesn't fit with anything. It's not really experimental because it's really been done before. They don't progress the idea. There's anything new about it. I guess there's some historical aspect, which is nice, but like, I'm going to draw, like just drawing in my classical music knowledge. This is a very like John Cage ish thing to do. And I think that that in essence is a little cheesy. Yeah. I don't necessarily like that. You might as well, uh, stuck for, what is it? For, uh, 33 at the end of this, the, the piece where it's all silence mm-hmm. by John Cage, um, he was known for doing experimental music and still does, but like a lot of it is based on just random aspects. He's got one where he, uh, he has four microphones up in like a rafter mm-hmm. and they're all like a big, a big line. And then he's got these other microphones down at the bottom and at different times you let them go and they swing like pendulums. And when they cross the other microphones, there's like static and feedback. And that's, it essentially ends when all of the pendulums stop and they're all hanging right above the other microphones and it's just feedback. And that was considered like a big experimental piece. Like piano burn, piano burning is a classic example of this, mm-hmm. but like for clipping to use it as being an experimental band, like that's not experimental because it's been done before. Yeah. It's not an experiment. It's just, uh, it's just performing an art piece that mm-hmm. has been done before and is, is essentially notated. Like, Lockwood notated how to do this, and it was done before. <laughs> and it could be replicated again as a piece of a piece of music or a piece of art. And to have clipping do it at the end, and you don't get to see the piano burning just in audio format. Like it doesn't. You don't get the full effect. I think that by using that, it was a little bit of a cop out. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit the personality of the group. It doesn't add. Any elements to the horrorcore that the new direction they're going into doesn't add any elements to any of the themes or really any reason to exist. Right. Um, and it's not aggravating to the point where I, I think it, it's supposed to be like trollish either. Um, like even going back to like the static mm. moment on Lamala, um, uh, weirdly enough, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Eric Andre's Blarf had a segment, I think it's called like Satan is Real, where it's 15 minutes of static. And it's like it's fantastic because it, it also like it changes a little bit. There's a little bit of progression to it, but it's also it's just a giant fucking troll. Yeah, this is not a giant fucking troll. This is just it's not meme. No, this, like this is a meme move. They're, 
like there's no point to it. No, I don't. <laughs> I guess I I guess I'm just not understanding like why piano burning had to be on here. Yeah. And I I guess I I am a little frustrated at it, I think. It's it's because it's I'm, a little I'm bit frustrated at it because they aren't knowing their audience. Yeah. I don't know. Like Eric Andre when he does that obviously knows like he's going to get a reaction out of people and say like he's trying to push the boundary like Oh, is this art? Is this a song? But also, like, this is the same guy that that has his show and does, like, the, the dumb things that he does on his show. But to have Piano Burning on here, it's not like Clipping was saying, like, oh, we're going we're gonna to troll everybody. Like, I have a feeling that they had some sort of, like, deeper meaning in mind for this piece, but it, it doesn't resonate it doesn't with land at all. Yeah. Uh, what was good about this album? Well, I can tell you there's actually a lot. There is a lot. Yeah. Good about this album. I think the biggest problem is it's just it doesn't, it wastes too much space throughout. And I, I think this thing is just way long and I think it needed trimming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one more thing before we get into like some good things. The possession interlude, it's, it's two minutes long. It's just a film excerpt. I also think the prophecy interlude is a little boring as well because that's more static. Yeah, but that would stop round along enough to it's not it's not super long but also like it changes to have it i think is annoying it changes a little bit it's more like rainfall than static it reminds me of like just like being in a cityscape of some type it reminded me just just of static yeah so um but like it doesn't the possession doesn't really build up its space or it's worth it just playing an old film clip and it doesn't really have anything it's it's about hypnosis right this goofy and, like, we've heard excerpts like this before, but also, like, in a well-produced way. Yeah. With some sort of backbeat. Like, this is literally just... The film. The film. <laughs> um, even if it was, like, an original created skit, it doesn't do anything. No. Yeah. All right, let's get into the good, good stuff. Good stuff. Starting off, nothing is safe. Uh, talking about, uh, first of all, uh, like, a John Carpenter-esque beat. So, like, Halloween-esque yeah. beat, which is really interesting. This very frail frightening keys to be it's talking about this essentially bloodbath of a bunch of police entering a trap house essentially just getting into a huge firefight um and how in this point of society nothing is safe there's no escape and it's just very threatening and ominous space and it's it's spooky it's terrifying but it has purpose it's really interesting and it's not just like a bloodbath yeah with um well it's not just a bloodbath that had in, in the grander sense of society, it doesn't have any meaning. But, like, in the track for David to write this bloodbath, it makes sense. Yeah. Like there's there's a, a critique of society going on. Society. We live in a society. society. <laughs> Big buzzword. Uh, he Dead featuring Ed Balloon. Ed Balloon just put out a record, apparently, a lot of people, like, recently on, um, I think of the label. But uh, he's been getting a lot of name recognition of the late and he has uh, a good personality across this it reminds me a lot of uh Obinyar, is that his name off the latest danny brown album his oh, features yeah. there yeah. it's very uh like soulful also very like like frail and scratchy just lost in space he's in a void really interesting uh a little bit of lonnie holly there just that the, the use of space yeah i really liked his vocals on here i thought that they were um they added a lot of much needed like melodic sense to the track yeah it's just very uh empty um and it, it's just very uh 
gelatinous in its shape. Which I liked is it. Really yeah. weird, and it's nice use of space. David Diggs comes on the second half, talking uh, essentially interpolating Kendrick Lamar's Rigor Mortis verse. He's talking about uh, werewolves and how they uh, essentially just how scary they. Are. <laughs> yeah, just boo werewolves. No, he's essentially uh, comparing werewolves to as cops, talking about silver bullets and shootouts, yeah. and essentially creating this environment where similar to nothing is safe it's very frightening um inescapable punishable just mm. lots of uh, paranoia going on in the track i think it's really interesting uh lama ondina besides the last minute i think this track's really interesting i think to be comes with some of his most uh punchy flows yet uh talking about skull crack is what a skull does i think if you want to have something menacing something kind of crime ridden that's like Almost like this, almost like seventies uh, cocaine yeah. filled adventure, like something like a Scarface. You get someone on Griselda Records, and he got Benny the Butcher, and that's very fitting. And that's like the vibe I got off of Benny the Butcher's last album. Yeah. And I think the biggest, besides the static at the end, the biggest disappointment I had is El Camino sounds really like West Side Gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he fit. I, I can obviously see like why the Griselda guys keep working with El Camino <laughs> because he just sounds like one of their relatives. <laughs> but it, it, his sound, verse was funny though. Yeah, and he's, I, he's it, it made me wish. It made me wish West Side was on here <laughs> instead of him. It, he reminds you know that stupid me where it's like never talk to me and my son again. And it's like a photo of someone and it's just like a distorted yeah. like, shortened version that's like West Side Gun and his son is El Camino <laughs> just a shortened version of him <laughs> cause he's a little bit higher pitched than West Side just a teeny just bit just a little bit yeah. cause he's smaller um Run For Your Life is one of the most interesting moments of hip hop I've heard all year setting up this essentially David Diggs is essentially just in the street <laughs> as things kind of noises kind of come around him you get this car that's blasting the synth music that is used on the hook La chat is brighting providing like almost like a, a gangster boo like performance yeah. to back him up she has a very uh interesting uh like flashiness to her voice i think it really works i i like the environment the use of space being creative how elements are kind of circling around him how he's really just talking over a lot of silence for the most part as the use of space is evolving and ever changing and um it doesn't stay around for too long when we get to a lot chat it's a full-on like production space yeah it's not just the emptiness anymore so we we evolve through the space enough and when when the gimmick's essentially over it's it's dead like we go to a new space and it's, it's interesting i think it's like a nice tight composition which works really well um blood of the fang is a fantastic moment talking about uh, essentially just talking about race in a way that's very vampiristic yeah um talking bringing up black panther movement and kind of the, the the desperate need for something like that bringing up the members of black panther party talking about uh, essentially the vampiristic way uh blacks are being killed by the police and i, I think it's really interesting it's it, his performance reminds me at least with his ad it reminds me a little bit of uh this is america don glover also he looks like his his like facial uh his, his beard hair combo looks like Give yeah. it a little bit. Um, also, he's really handsome. I never realized that before. How handsome David Diggs is. Like he's he's always been like handsome, but he's never been like ooh, I want that. <laughs> he's 
He's really attractive in that music video. Um, also, the music video is really weird. There's they're doing surgery on a on a gun, and the gun's like bleeding out of all these different orifices. Uh, there's a bunch of bright strobe lights. The V digs is like trapped in this like trapped in this like blood pile. He's eating like a chocolate AK forty seven. Just a bunch of strange shit that would just like moves very unorthodoxly is interesting. Stories to sevens talking about kind of this uh this this like femme fatale that's essentially just a werewolf yeah and her progression as she tries to uh what's the word being like a seductress what's the uh what's the term where it's like a succubus succubus essentially trying to con this man into a night in the end she's killed by a, a, a like a silver bullet she's killed by a like an ongoing taxi yeah it's really interesting i i don't really i'm trying to really understand what like the point of it is i i guess just to continue the story, story saga, I think. Yeah, but like I don't. It, it, that one's like the most like spooky Halloween thingy on here. It doesn't really have. I can't figure out the point <laughs> unless it's like <laughs> maybe she was just living her life and she wasn't. Yeah, like a killer, but she kills someone in like the opening moments of the track. So like I don't understand that comparison. I don't really understand the theme to it. I think the performance is nice. I think. It's a nice story. I think this album is very well timed to come around Halloween because it is spooky. There's themes of vampires, ghosts. Uh, we also haven't mentioned the haunting, <laughs> which it's one of my favorite moments. I, this the only interlude so that I think hits it me. perfectly. This is so funny to me. Is this, this woman speaking on like a tape recorder, and like I actually read on Genius like the part where they fast forward there are lyrics there if you slow it down you can hear what she's like actually saying and apparently it's like this woman who lives in an apartment and she is being haunted by some sort of ghost but also like somebody is trying to kill her and she thought it was her excuse me she thought it was her brother and then she thought it was her friend and at the end she eventually says like oh it's satan trying to kill me i don't know why and then that's, like, the end. But she's describing all these things that are, like, happening in her apartment where, like, some of them are, like, very basic. It it's starts like, out, like, really basic. But she's like, I heard a knock, and I heard a cat, and I don't have a cat, and I heard something run across the room. But then, like, as it progresses, it's like, I felt hands around my throat. And my favorite line, I saw chimpanzees in my bedroom. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's how hauntings work. <laughs> I think you just really live close to a zoo. I thought that was... Was, I laughed my ass off when I heard her say that. It completely ruined the atmosphere, but it was hilarious. And I think, like, in some way, it is very, like, token for clipping. Because, like, I think that they are funny. They have, like, some funny moments on other, on other projects. And this one, I think, is, like, pretty devoid of that. But this was the funniest part of the whole record. Just the progression of it. How it just it's doesn't make any It's hilarious. Um... One final thing is All Your Head featuring Counterfeit Mason and Robin Hood. Robin Hood is essentially playing a similar role to La Chat, kind of interrupting, being like a uh, a chorus to Divi Diggs. But uh, it gets in this really empty, just void of nothingness, and then it slowly builds up to uh, a more a, a toned place for clipping, something they've been before. Reminds me of like the build-up moments of Yeezus. Yeah. Like the end moments where like there would just be trash for like, three minutes and then they would get into like a really like mix of like distortion and soul samples and that's what this reminds me of yeah the, this mix of kind of almost theatrical kind of gospel um performance in this like empty void by counterfeit madison is uh interesting yeah 
I, I think there's good themes in here. I just think they're not executed to the best ability. I think this is a good album. I just think it's just... There's just... It's just not... I don't feel taken care of when I'm listening to this. Like, I feel like projects like this, you can get the themes... You can feel fear, you can feel paranoia, you can feel a tenseness and almost pain, but like also you feel like taken care of. You feel like the format makes sense, you feel like everything on here is essential to the project. This, I don't get that. I, I think no. it spends too much time taking experimental risk where they're already taking experimental risk in other places and it works fine. Yeah, I think they spend a little too much time with kind of reveling in their own joke, almost. Yeah. Like, um... Oh, uh, what if we ruined a track by putting three minutes of static at the end? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Like, what if we had just an interlude that's all static? What if we put piano burning at the end? Like, it it almost feels like a it almost feels like a joke or some sort of inside joke that like I'm not in on for the uh, for to clipping. me it doesn't seem like a joke. It just seems like bad ideas. Uh, it just like, it feels like they're reveling in something that like they thought was a good idea, and then at some point they're like, I'm not really sure if this is good or not. Let's just keep it on and see what people's reaction will be. Which, like, I don't like... I don't think anybody likes being, like, the butt of a joke or, like, the uh, subject of, like, some sort of experiment where, like, people are trying to see how you'd react to something. Like, people people don't normally, like, like that. Mm. And that's what I feel like. I feel like I've been played, like, a fool on some parts of this record where they're just, like... Here, just ship it out, ship it out to him, and and see if he'll like it. Like, see what see what he'll think about it. Uh, almost like an Im- impractical jokers kind of thing, like a hidden camera show um, with some of these like static moments. And I, that frustrates me. I think to hear so many of these moments where I'm like, oh, can we just get on with the music? Because I really enjoy the music. I really enjoy a lot of the themes. I really enjoy David's uh, lyricism. I think that. A lot of there's a lot of really good stuff going for clipping on this record, but there are just some points like I'm just like, why can't we just cut this stuff out and get on with the good stuff? Why do we have to waste time? Why do I have to waste 18 minutes at the end listening to a piano burn to the ground? Like I'm not even I don't even get to watch it either. I don't I don't get the full effect of it. They're just, I don't know. That's like the biggest thing for me. Because there's so much good stuff on here. But there's also just a lot of really annoying moments. Yeah. Keep in mind those scores of Futalaminas right now. I'm feeling an 8. Big 8. I'd say like a solid 7 plus. Uh, Time to get into the latest record from Angel Olsen, All Mirrors. Uh, Angel Olsen is a singer-songwriter who recently released My Woman back in 2016, which was fantastic with great songs like shut up kiss me or give it up uh, intern sister and heart shaped face she had really good tracks on there she came in it wasn't like her debut project she was well known but this one established her as like a tour de first as essentially just passion that's how, where i first heard of her and i was just blown away i, I think I, I think what she established herself is she was very unexpectable and she was that's not a word. She's unpredictable. Very, unpredictable um, interactions, and she's very uh, sporadic in her passion on the track, and how the essentially motion would bleed onto the track. Yeah. Um, she recently did a collaboration with can't remember Mark Ronson. That's his name. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, on his last album, Late Night Feelings, and that's kind of a precursor to this in a way in the sound because she seemed a lot more faded, a lot more retro sounding, very uh, Almost, beautiful, uh, glistening, dried out kind of. Yeah, 
but in a, a, a very dried out, but also shiny. I don't know how that makes any sense. It's faded. It's not dried out. That's the way I think of. That's because she's I not a raisin. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> she's not singing. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> the other California raisins. Um, but and that's kind of a precursor to the sound that's on this. Um, it, it's essentially uh, 48 minutes, 11 tracks of an album about introspection and this very huge um, new location for her to be in. Sonically, it's shiny. It's kind of uh, not jagged, but it's uh, just sharp. Like uh, a broken mirror. mirror. But it, it's it's also, I think, very more predictable. It's more formulaic. Then her last project, her intensity isn't as high. Um, I think her, her passion across this entire thing is great. I think what the biggest problem on here is uh, there's just some moments that are better than others. And for a lot of this, I think she's almost too retro-sounding to the point where it just doesn't really... It, it doesn't feel some, like something new. It just yeah. feels like we're going back. Yeah. And there's no real like, purpose to it. And she's not really essentially establish herself as more than just like a throwback because like her performance uh, across this entire thing is amazing like i think her vocals and her passion is unmatched but i also think like it's very just same samey like it, it fits the mood of the track but it doesn't like go past that at any point i think the themes on some of these tracks really interesting like all mirrors going into the self-reflection of herself how at one point she did know herself, but she's kind of getting lost in this reflection and not really seeing it. Yeah. And I wish more tracks about this had this uncertainty and this, this risk that this track did. Um, moments like Spring where she's reflecting on a relationship because she's surrounded by her friends who are married or having kids. And she is going into her own relationship and reflecting upon that and hoping she can find someone the way her friends have found someone. Yeah. And have that style of life. But I think for the rest of this, it's just more reflections on relationships that really just don't seem super interesting. Well, the tracks may seem interesting. I think the passion and the strings and this huge world um, emasculate the sound. Uh, just something huge and otherworldly. It just doesn't really have that much substance to live off yeah. of. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. Um, this is not... This this record is not particularly uh, the flavor of Angel Olsen that I that I enjoy. I guess when Shut Up Kiss Me came out, I burned that song out. I thought that was such a great track, and I love the energy and passion and uh, just really great. It's just, it's just a great tune, mm. honestly. Uh, but I feel like on here uh, we don't get as many memorable melodies. We don't get like as many memorable performances like that. Uh, Angel feels a lot, like you said, a lot more faded, um, a lot more low-key, I think is a good way to put that. And that's just not particularly like my favorite thing for her to do. The subjects on here I think are awesome. Uh, she talks about a lot of really um, poignant and interesting things. The whole all-mirrors, like self-introspection kind of um, theme that, that this whole record revolves around I think is really well done. But... Like you said, there are just some things that just are uh, so much more interesting than others. Yeah. To where the point where I'm like, is this worth my time to sit through the entire thing? Yeah. Uh, that's I think that's like my biggest 
my biggest reflection on this record in and of itself. Like, I like Angel Olsen. I really like the, what she's doing out here. Uh, but, I don't know. Some of this is just, like, it's just a little boring. Yeah. It goes on a little long. It's just, like, we get to the, like, the last tracks feel like they run on forever. While they're very glistening and just beautiful. And the strings on them are fantastic. And the, the scope that they create sure, like they otherworldly. Can, they can be the, really beautiful. But, they don't, like you said, they just they don't feel like they go in. So they just don't feel like they go anywhere. Right. It's just I I don't feel like the journey I'm going on is really worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. Um what I don't feel like really feel like I need have the need to return like while I like the space it's just like I've seen it once like there's no reason for me to bring back cuz it just doesn't devolve into anything yeah. new. I feel like this throwback kind of pseudo 70s 80s sound it works for her in moments like that Mark Ronson track she was on. I think she also brought a level of intensity that was very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. This feels pretty predictable. It follows normal song structure. Her performance matches a normal song structure. She doesn't really color outside the lines too much on this. Mm-hmm. If there's anything like flashy or mm-hmm. surprising. While I like Lark, I feel like Lark is probably the most unpredictable moment on here because it feels like she's constantly coming out of the shadows and showing her face yeah. and then quickly going back into it. It's very... She's playing peekaboo. <laughs> it's very surprising. But, like, no other moments on here feel like they have that intensity or sporadicness yeah. to it. It just feels very just normal, um, which kind of makes it almost flat in a, sh- a weird way. Yeah. Um, I, that's all I really got to say. Keep Same. In, keep in mind, that scores a few times right now I'm filling up. Six, seven. I'm going to give this a, a six. It's... It's good, but it's not yeah. my absolute favorite thing I, she's done. I think the biggest problem is that just like I needed more out of the themes and uh, a, a little bit more out of the intensity of the tracks. I wish there was something because if like even if she had better lyricism, like things that made me like contemplate life or her existence, um, it would make it a little bit more tolerable yeah um sometimes if you have a lot of themes like we're going to the, la- the last wise blood record i bring that up a lot doesn't really like it kind of sits in like the same place for a long time but it's also like really thinking heavily about its surroundings i thought i thought about the wise blood comparison here and i would take this record any day over wise you blood. also I, don't really like I that album care for i'm it. the one person but that was the thing about it is that like it sat for too long in one place. I think that's kind of what happens at the end of this. Yeah. But um, I just like Angel Olsen's personality and energy better and <laughs> themes, I think. Okay. Are you ready to eat pants? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have cow, <Palma>. man. <laughs> Time to get into the latest Sturgill Simpson record, Sound and Fury. I really like the name Sturgill. My girlfriend does not. <laughs> That's disappointing to me. What was your name? What did you want to name your first child? And then you decided it was a good dog name instead. I can't remember what it was. Like couch. It was, I want to say Couch Chocula, but it was definitely not that. We decided. I th- I think we like the name Wappy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not for a child. I'm not having any kids, but like for a dog. Wappy, I think, is a good dog I, name. You had like a name, but it was really weird and stupid. It was like General something. I can't remember. Beef Frank? <laughs> something like that. that I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into this this review. 
Uh, no, let's talk about Wappy more. No, I don't or, have anything else to say about Wappy. Oh, so you'd rather talk about Eat Pant? Yes. Uh, Sturgill Simpson is a country singer-songwriter. Uh, he's been putting out music for a little while, but his uh, most notable record came out in 2016, A Sailor's Guide to Earth, which was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys that year. And it won Best Country Album. And yes. Uh, Sturgill Simpson is just incredibly talented. I listened to Sailor's Guide to Earth for the first time this summer, and it had me hooked. Like I listened to it for like a month straight, like just that. Um, I just think that his his raw talent and like throwback to older country artists, like without falling into this really like, is bubblegum country a thing? I feel like that's what we're falling Throw country. into. Yeah, like I, we're falling, I new country is falling into like a, it's not even falling, it has fallen into like a really poppy kind of place yeah that because just doesn't like, suit it it's well. not all bro country because like florida georgia line is bro country but casey musgraves was like i think what you're trying to say is like that bubblegum country where it's like kind of yeah it's just pop i'm thinking of like there's obviously like johnny cash and uh waylon jennings mm-hmm. and merle haggard and i feel like sturgill simpson really pays excellent tribute to these to these older artists. I really like the style of like music that he's making. But uh, Sailor's Gone to Earth, I think, perfectly encapsulates that. But he also uses other influences. Like, he covered Nirvana's In Bloom. Mm. And I like it miles, miles above the original. Anyway, Sound and Fury is Sturgill Simpson's latest record. Uh, and its release was actually accompanied by an original Netflix anime film, which was written and produced by Simpson with Japanese director Junpei uh, Mitsuzaki. Uh, and it has a lot of dystopian elements to it, very apocalyptic yeah. in a sense. Uh, it reminds me of something that Gorillaz would put out. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the film, I but I thought it. that it was really interesting that he would reach out to a completely different, like, how like how American can you get than country music? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then to reach out to the complete other side of the earth and be like, you want to make a country anime? <laughs> um, I just, I really like the way that country music is branching out into other genres. Yeah. And we've talked about Lil Nas X on the show, um, but this is a completely different thing. Also, it's a weird trend because I think this is going to be popping up a lot more. A lot of these Netflix long music videos. Uh, Jesus King. Jesus, no, not Jesus <laughs> King. Jesus King is kind of same deal but different um but more of uh was that tom york's uh mina mm-hmm. did the same thing had a netflix music video i'm also thinking of uh beyonce's homecoming as yeah well. that was another that one. was another yeah. big one uh but this this latest sound and fury record is uh it's a good mix of like country and blues rock psychedelic rock and boogie rock along with synth rock something also, that doesn't really mix a lot with country also funk yeah it's, played it's up very funky here. um it's 10 songs 41 minutes uh, and personally, I, I liked it. I like the aesthetic he's messing with. Uh, I think biggest, bigger problems, uh, like big picture problems is it's just, I don't, there's nothing lyrically that assesses the change or yeah. like it feels fresh. And there's also nothing really attached to the music video either. And I know that's not necessarily the case. Um, and that's, I'm not going to dip it on that, but like. I, I I wish like calling something sound and fury and giving me that like it that album art. I was expecting like something like dystopian and lyrically, but Afro no samurai kind of vibe. Yeah, that's like, what I'm thinking. Something like that, but like this is very just like it's just the same music he made before, but now yeah. it's just at least but it's under a different genre. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of what Gizzard does every like two months. They restructure how they sound. 
and sometimes it's good sometimes it really just hasn't her point but at least they like try um i'm thinking this is more it, this reminds me of more of when they did um Oh, what, what was what was the one they did before uh, Infest the Rat's Nest? I can't remember now. Uh, fishing for Fishies. Yeah, Fishing for Fishies, where they attempted, tried out Blues Rock and like Boogie Rock a little yeah. bit. And uh, it worked out okay-ish. I think this has, uh, I think Sturgill has a lot more, a lot more ground to stand on as far as that goes. You know what I mean? I think Am I making sense? I think he's, so like, I think it's wider in scope than like, some of these gizzard changes. Yeah. But I also think it's like too wide <laughs> to and, the point yeah, where we're getting sense. like some of these synths. I'm like, I don't, I don't think these synths really need to be here. It's losing some of the country identity, but I'm not sure that Sturgill was ever like a country artist to begin with. Yeah. Does that make sense? And the biggest problem on here is that it's not, my biggest problem isn't that it's not country. It's the fact that it's just like so many things yeah that it's just hard to nail down like what it's trying to do and i feel like it could have just explored like one thing instead of like 10 because we get some moments like uh i think it's make art not friends and a good look where it's like synth rock and it's just like make art not friends is probably my least favorite track on here it goes on for almost six minutes and it's just a lot of like uh not very progressing synths also it falls in just a really bad place uh some of the most upbeat um just great like driving songs like good road trip songs come right before it with ronin and remember to breathe and sing along and then all of a sudden we've got this like hey let's slow it down with a lull in <laughs> synth rock it's uh it, that's a little disappointing i think but then after that it starts to pick up again with all said and done last man standing mercury and Re uh, mercury and retrograde i think I the end of this album just feels forever long yes fastest horse in town feels forever it's it's really rocking but man it's uh it's a long haul yeah i just feel like it just uh sing along and a good look i think work out really well um mm -hmm. together yeah so yeah they flow the first like four tracks on here flow but those two tracks in particular like work uh i think i could have gone out with some of the synth moments but like whatever um but like all said and done is more like a traditional like country moment or more conditional than like everything else yeah. on here. But and it works and it's a nice a nice scene change that I feel like you didn't really have to try that hard to make. And I think little moments like that added a lot of depth to this album. But I feel like this weird album this album has a weird structure where it feel like I feel like it repeats itself on the second half. Like we, we get the hard like the hard start at the beginning and then we just get to like uh, make art not friends, and that kind of resets a bit. I'm glad it does though, because I think that that track loses a lot of momentum. Yeah, it feels like it needs to like reset itself. But it, it's weird because I feel like it, it almost feels like the gimmick's like over, and that it's like we're now doing the same things over again. Yeah, which I don't think again it, it tries to do so much that it I feel like it really honed down on here. So like. What I like about this is that it has a very funky atmosphere. It's very uh, rushing feel. I like the guitars. I like the scratchiness of this entire record. Yeah. I like this like back roads feel, but it also feels like you're like going down the back roads, uh, a country road in like a tank. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like driving really fast on it, like a, like a Chevrolet, it's like just driving down in the tank, which I think is really interesting. But I also think like songwriting wise, there's no really reason for these change. I feel like it just doesn't really add anything. It's just more traditional singer songwriter, yeah, country style writing. Um, it's not like bro country, or it's not pandering. But I feel like it just really doesn't do anything to support the, the energy that the tracks have. Yeah, I, I think 
it repeats itself in the second half. Um, and it's when it when it's good, it's great. It's still great, still holds up. But I feel like it it just it makes it a little bit less. It's the uh, what is it the um, the law of uh, diminishing returns. returns. Yeah. Uh, that's all I really gotta say. I think he does a good job on here, but I feel like more could have been done to make this project uh, have a reason to stand out. Yeah, and have a reason to exist. Um, I keep in mind that of course, if you tell me this right now, I'm feeling a six seven on this. I feel like a pretty solid seven plus or yeah. seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, so we did eat pant. <laughs> now it's time to perform the ode to joy. <laughs> Is that yeah. how transitions work here? Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Time to get in the latest Wilco record, Ode to Joy. Uh, Wilco is a Chicago alternative rock band. Um, Jeff Tweedy. Fronted by Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> he's he's the man. He's the lone man. In the group. No, he's, the he's the only one in the group. It's he, just him. He performs all the instruments. He's got the drum on the front, and he's got like the, the civil, he's a one-man band. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jeff Tweedy's a mastermind behind Wilco. He's been he's been at it for years and years, uh, and of course, I think probably their most uh, popular album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which came out two thousand one and still holds up today. Uh, like I said, probably where they where they got most of their fans from. They had really great tracks like uh, Jesus Etc., which was the lead single off of that. Just a, a great great track under their belt with a lot of really cool strings. Um, they released an album back in 2016. I can't remember if it was called Wilco. Sh- I can't remember if it was called Wilco Schmilco or just Schmilco. But uh, it was very, it was very light, and um, I don't. It was a lot of fun. They had a lot of tracks, uh, good tracks on there. Like uh, if I ever was a child <laughs> or someone to lose, I think that they just they really nailed it with their sound. Uh, Wilco, I think, came back in a really big way there. And I, I really enjoyed that record. But going into this record, um, this is their 11th studio album. And I feel like maybe they strayed a little too far from what they what they were most well-known for. So this is my first Wilco album. Okay. I, Welcome. I, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Um, and I think it's an enjoyable experience, but I also think it's like... It's also super unnoteworthy. <laughs> so, like, it, it, it's right in the middle of where I think albums rank. It's, like, it's not super lingering where it feels like a T. Like, a, like a just a, uh, what is it? Not T's. It feels like a, just a, like a, a chore to get through. Um, this feels more uh, flowing, pretty, light. Uh, has some really interesting drum work, consistent, which is like really repetitive, and yeah. you could say kind of stupid, but I kind of enjoy it. It's just really repetitive kicks, just the simple kick being done through a lot of these tracks. Um, just light atmosphere, sometimes great strings that remind me of Fleet Foxes and their atmosphere building. And yeah, that's a good comparison. kind of folky, kind of uh, like nature ridden, like you're in a giant forest. Uh, I, I think they provide some really interesting soundscapes. But I don't think a lot of their soundscapes last the time. I think they're good enough to get me through like the initial like two minutes, and then we'll get into like like 
two to three additional minutes that are just like nothingness that doesn't really carry through. I don't think their progression on this really works. I think they have good ideas, but they just stretch them out to the point where like anything on this album doesn't really resonate with me. It's the part where it's kind of hard to keep track of themes or even like really purpose to this album's existence. Because we start off with Bright Leaves, and again, it's this consistent kick with like elements kind of trickling in and out. You'll get some like pianos that will trickle in and like you'll get some guitar over top of it that really ni- matches really nicely. Um, but it goes on for four minutes, and the the appeal really just goes away after a while. Um, while it might be beautiful and while it might might be well constructed, I think it just doesn't really serve a purpose to exist. I would have to agree with all those statements. Uh, I think that the music on here is pretty. Yeah. Um, especially I don't know some of the first couple tracks, "Bright Leaves," "Before Us." I uh, like. We were lucky, but this. Um, I don't know, this doesn't feel like a Wilco album. You know what I mean? Um, For all the things that I've enjoyed from this band in the past, this doesn't even feel like they made it. And I'm wondering why they would even make like a change like that. Maybe, I mean, maybe they just got tired of their own sound. Like Jeff Tweedy uh, wanted to do something different because they've been going at, they've been going at this for a long time. This is their 11th album. Like, you know, they, I feel like if you're an artist and you don't change up what you're doing, like you've got to at least try. But, um, this this just doesn't fall anywhere close to like what Wilco has always like been and the kind of music that they've been they've excuse me the kind of music that they've been making um, I don't know it just it doesn't progress it doesn't um, it feels wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't know any other way to say that they've had some just some really really great hits in the past like past albums that Wilco has put out have been incredible and then this one just feels like a real disappointment i don't know yeah it it doesn't it doesn't stay this thing doesn't isn't offensive to where it leaves a a bad taste in your mouth but it goes on for too long to just not yeah memorable it's it's boring and not memorable which is i think a real shame because some of my favorite tracks come from from different Wilco albums i forgot completely random name generator another really great rock and tune and then we listen to something like this and i'm like what happened this isn't even the same band yeah uh keep in mind i'll scores if you tell me it's right now i'm feeling like a four to five yeah i'm gonna give it like a four yeah and uh i was not welcomed on my first album <laughs> sorry <laughs> but it's okay because now i'm gonna eat a la orange it's <laughs> not how you say it l'orange <laughs> Actually, I think he put out he put out a shirt a while back that had all the different name all the different ways that you could pronounce his name, and they had like Lorange, La Orange, Lorange, like all the different ones like just written in text on the shirt. I thought that was really funny and clever. I'm also not sure if he knows how to pronounce his own like <laughs> stage name. L Orange. L Or that was one. Uh, LL Cool J was another. Uh, we're gonna be going over the latest record by Larange and Jeremiah J. Complicate your life with violence. Um, Larange is a North Carolina producer currently signed to the Mellow Music Group, putting out a 
I think he's put out a pretty consistent release uh, in the past couple of years, mm. every year. Put out Time, Astonishing with Cool Keith back in 2015. The Life and Death of Scenery with Mr. Lift back in 2016. He did a solo album, The Ordinary Man, back in 2017. Brought a lot of Mad Lib-type production to the table. Uh, except for he wasn't a supervillain. Uh, he was a magician. Mm. I think that the stories he told on there was was really interesting. Telling stories the way like Doom does with his... Like, uh, Cross stitching of old yeah. TV sketches and, and it radio didn't sketches. it didn't just feel like I was listening to a movie like without watching it 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 seriously felt like a whole new story was like being told his production uh, on there I think is is just really great yeah very bassy and brassy and huge uh, the kicks are incredible and they take a lot of space in this very retro sample track mm-hmm. and then uh, last year he put out um, this record Marlowe with uh, Solomon Bridges. Um, a, another rapper, and he, uh, I think Lorange's production on here was really good, but uh, Bridges really failed to pick up the slack lyrically, and it didn't go. He just as didn't well have a presence. As, yeah, and didn't it, the combination it did not good. make sense to why Lorange was putting efforts into something that wasn't going to give him a return. Right. Um, that was, uh, that was a little disappointing. Uh, because uh, The Ordinary Man came out the year before, and it was really good. Uh, but then he released that instead. Jeremiah J., on the other hand, is a Chicago rapper and producer. He's the son of jazz composer and musician Robert Irving III. And he was previously signed to um, Brain Freeder Records, um, Flying Lotus's label. Um, and this is not the first time that they have worked together. They, uh, Larange and... Jeremiah J. did a project together in 2015, The Night Took Us In Like Family, with its lead single, um, Underworld. And that's what really kind of sucked me into the world of Laurence. That's how I got to know him. This quote... Yeah, this is a quote from... So basically, this new album, Complicate Your Life with Violence, 17 songs, 42 minutes. I think the summary of this is easily uh, explained by uh, just a few sentences on the Mellow Music Group uh, website. Yeah, so the quote goes, uh, and I quote, But this is Marlowe meets Mad Max, where Jay's furtive hero staggers through a futuristic dystopia that feels vaguely familiar. A landscape whose kill-or-be-killed binary is best summed up by the cone... No one, nobody feels like a hero with a machine gun popping off at him. End quote. I think that's a really great uh, description of what this is about. I, I, okay, so I put this here for a reason. I don't think it is. <laughs> you don't think so? I, I, I really, I really like that nobody I, feels like a hero with a machine gun popping. I think at him. this thing talks about violence. I don't think it has like themes. I think it brings up like machine guns. But it doesn't like have story or narrative that really backs up. This almost feels like a Terminator or like RoboCop kind of story to me personally. Like that's what I got out of it. Um, we're like talking about like building the perfect soldier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's at least that's like what I got out of it. And like it talks a lot about like the military and like military camps yeah. and. And learning how to be like a good soldier, like a good American. Yeah. Um, I think there's even a part in here where they like somebody's like way too young to like join the army, and he asks him, and he's like, "Well, I got a gun, so like I must be, I must be a soldier now." Um, I, I really like that quote. I think that that sums it up, especially like the ending line. I think it sums up what they want it to be. I don't think it sums up what it actually is, because I think in the end, it 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 feels like. 
there's two stories being told. One that is the lyricism of Jeremiah J. One is the segments that Laura Orange makes in the interludes. Mm. And the interludes, I think this time, usually I really like his splicing and how he crafts these narratives. This time it just feels very contrived and it's been done before. I don't think he really makes anything interesting. He's created really, really cool spaces before, like yeah. on uh, Life and Death Life and Death of Scenery with Mr. Lift. He had a bunch of segments on there with, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, White Snack. And uh, they're really interesting. They're like these very cool dystopian moments of this like hot, uh, this big brother-like character. Um, and it's really cool. This is a very cool dystopian society. This is just like, I've heard it before. Like, I felt like I heard this before. And, like, these stories, they line up, but they don't really feel like they craft, like, one whole narrative. And uh, Jeremiah J., at first, I didn't feel like he really added anything to this. But I think as time goes on in this album, I think they feel like a well-oiled machine, especially in the second half. Yeah. I think once we get to, like, Devil's Piano, After Hourly Life, Ghost Town, The Light, they feel like one cohesive unit. This, like, pairing makes sense. I feel yeah. like Jeremiah J. is giving as much to LaRange as LaRange is giving to him. Like, it feels like this duo is well-balanced. It makes sense. It's like, a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> yeah. It works. I think uh, Jeremiah J., his hooks are pretty weak at times. They're pretty basic. They don't really do much for me. Like, on Dead Battery, I don't think that really works. I think it just seems... Yeah, the I think the hook is not good on that, but definitely I think the production is the some production of the cues on the hook work. Yeah, I think Jeremiah J's performance just comes off as pretty clunky, and it it makes the, the production kind of overcarry him. Also, I think Jeremiah J is a little bit quiet on a lot of these tracks, and I think some artists like Zero come on and they completely outshine him. Like uh, Zero, who I've previously seen on uh, John Wayne's rap album Two, mm-hmm. he's he's a very uh, shiny, invigorated voice, and he comes in and he dominates the track. Um, on Borrowed Brass, he essentially does that. He kind of outshines uh, Jeremiah J, but he also makes Jeremiah J step up his game a little bit, and it's got to compete. It's interesting. I feel like there's a challenge there presented to him, and he tries to outdo it. I think that parent works. I, I just think Jeremiah J in the mix is just a little cloudy at times. And he just, especially in the first half, I feel like he's just, he, like on behavior report, I feel like he's just a little bit too quiet. Yeah. That was not a, like, I don't think that's like a super good way to start out the album because uh, this is Jeremiah J's first appearance and he was just really quiet. Yeah. He was almost like whispering. It's like Earl Sweatshirt levels, kind of <laughs> kind of whispering. Just like, just like. Just buried in the mix. Uh, that's that's what it feels like. Uh, this is obviously a Larange project. Yeah. Like, um, I I still really like his 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 ear for samplings um, and his ear for or sample his ear for sample material is I think unmatched. Mm. Um, he's I think he's so good at picking um, picking vocal lines and and snippets to tell like this kind of story that he wants to. But like you said, I'm not sure that the stories like line up yeah. super well of like what Jeremiah J's lyricism is telling and what Larange is telling in yeah. his snippets. In like things, ideas of like uh, the army and weaponry will be brought up, but like I don't think that leads to just like ideas of violence. I don't get like I get ideas of like chaos. I don't get ideas of violence. And, like, violence is essentially chaos, but, like, it isn't explained in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't feel like that theme of violence is is explained, and it doesn't, it, it feels very escapable on this project. Yeah. 
um, and almost kind of non-threatening <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, some other moments I really enjoyed. Devil's Piano on here is fantastic. I think that's the pairing's best outing on here. I like how the sample is just, it feels super sped up. The piano is just very fast and, and impressive. Um, I, it's hard to tell if there's even really like splicing going on there because it feels just like one just sped up sample that works perfectly. Um, but also Jeremiah J feels like he's sped up, like they just sped yeah. up his like speed a little bit, and it's really strange. Uh, just the pacing of that track is just very unorthodox and kind of surreal. Um, Clay Pigeons with Billy Woods. Billy Woods showing up down here is a complete surprise. Uh, not really like the production I like hearing Billy Woods over. I like him hearing being over like more decrepted. Kind yeah, of like, this is this really isn't his element, but I also feel like he did a really good job yeah. on here, and I was happy to see um, somebody with his kind of name recognition. Yeah, on this project, he works with Jeremiah J a lot. Like that, yeah, that, that pairing feels like it works and meshes up well. Um, again, not the biggest, not like the best type of production. I like hearing Billy Woods over, but it works. Yeah, I, think I think he, does he well. needs to be over a little bit more spacey things because he's a little bit more uh, abstract. I liked seeing him out of his element a little bit. That was, that was fun for me, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I I like moments. I like dead battery as a track. I don't like the hook. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it it suffers from some problems that the first half has with, uh, Jeremiah J just being a little bit too quiet. I like moments like Broward brass. I like production across this entire thing. It's bassy, brassy, thick, uh, completely, Unexpected, I think LaRange does his own thing really well. On yeah. Here. His own idea of this old school style of sampling really well. And I think he's the best part about this. I think Jeremiah J stands up for himself a little bit, but I think lyrically, I just need more themes. I need more ideas. And if you're going to bring up this idea of violence, I think LaRange and Jeremiah J could have come up with a better idea of how to make this really important to the uh, album. More cohesive idea. And also, I'm escapable because it's just like very. You could listen to this album and not really get the idea of violence or just chaos going into it. It just yeah. feels more just like just ideas of weaponry and like both an army and also like tra- traditional like gangster life. Yeah. Um, keep in mind that I'll score a few talent right now. I'm feeling like a six to seven on this. I think I'm going to give it uh, also a six to seven. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably give it like a seven minus yeah. actually. Uh, this was this was I think enjoyable like to a certain degree. Yeah, I I really enjoy both talents on here, but uh, the ideas don't always feel as cohesive as they could. Also, as a side note, the album artwork on here is some of my favorite of the year so far. Yeah, it, that's it the thing really that cool. fits like the sketches the most. Yes. which is nice. Um, I think this is kind of an ongoing thing with Larange. I feel like he's able to. Um, like make really incredible work, but he isn't able to like stick the landing all the way. Like we go over Tom astonishing with cool keys. Like it's just like there's well, some it's got cool keys on it. He's okay. already got a handy. Like we'll get like really cool moments. Like we'll get a, a like a, a drop in from MC Paul Barman or like a moment from Open My mm-hmm. Eagle, and you get these really impressive moments from Keith and like how he's able to balance them and keep them away from Footlocker esque territory. But like. I just don't feel like there's super amount of substance there. Same thing with the life and death scenery. I think the interludes uh, are impressive. I think he makes Mr. Liv look impressive, like more than I've ever seen, because Mr. Liv has never really done anything for me, but he looks like a, a force to be reckoned with on that album. Mm-hmm. Ordinary Man works, but I feel like it just it felt a little bit too empty at times. Uh, this just doesn't stick the landing as well. I think yeah. there's like good intentions, and I think there's good ideas going into it, but they just like there's 
doesn't stick the landing. And I don't know if it's like whether it's the collaborator and or it's just low orange. I, I feel like I feel like I just want it's close but no cigar. And I feel like we just keep on getting to this point. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing, but also I think the music that comes out of it's still really good. Uh, and that's it. Okay. That's it for this week's episode of the Anthony and Todd Show. This is episode one hundred and eleven, where weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony and Todd. If you want to find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd Show. If you want to find us on podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify, search the Anthony and Todd Show. And if you want to support us monetarily on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd Show and uh, give us your money so I can buy a jet ski. Until next time, guys, I've been Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see you, boys. Bye, everybody.